For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to episode 21 of Cow Corner. We're here to review the first test between India and Australia. Uh, and with me this week to review that, Will in London, how are you? Oh, okay. Thanks, Dan. Merry, how, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, mate. How angry are you right now? We're not going to get stuck in in a minute, but on a scale of one to Rajasthan losing? I'll give it a five. I'm, I'm feeling strangely mellow. Maybe I think possibly it was so bad that it, it was, there's sort of almost nothing to be angry about. But we'll, we'll come on to all of that. And I'm also joined by Zach. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I wonder whether Will's uh, Will's mellow feelings of the fact that a lot of the a lot of the action happened in the middle of the night. So maybe it was felt a little bit less dramatic. And when we first woke up, it was a bit it didn't really feel real. But yeah. Otherwise, we're all good. I look forward to getting into this. And it is going to be a strange pod in that the main narrative coming out of the India-Australia test, we all missed it. We're all fast asleep. And as committed as we are to this podcast, no one was quite ready to be up at 3am um, to watch Pretty Sure get bold again. Before we get into this, though, let's have a bit of housekeeping. Um, plenty has happened, as always, in cricket um, since we were last away. Um, Jack Callis has been announced as the England batting consultant. That's the official title. Uh, for their tour of Sri Lanka coming up in January. Paul Collingwood will be the assistant coach this time around. He's working his way up the ranks there. The squad has been announced for that tour. Uh, a few sort of announcements we were ready for that Ben Stokes, Joffre Archer have been rested, rightfully so. Dan Lawrence comes into the team. We'll probably get two games looking at the, the rest of the squad. Both Broad and Anderson travel. Probably one of those playing at a time, as does Moe Nally, which is very exciting. We'll have a full preview pod of that. And uh, over in Pakistan, Mohamed Amir has retired from all international cricket. Zach, what were your first impressions of this? Uh, the Pakistan Cricket Board came out with quite the statement uh, when Amir announced this. Yeah, the statement was a bit weird. There was no, oh, thank you for your time. No, you know, like, oh, like what a great bowler he's been for us. It was kind of Mohamed Amir has decided he doesn't want to play for us anymore. It was, but it's a bit, it's such a, it's such a difficult relationship because. He's come out and said he felt like he's been mentally tortured by them. I feel like he's not gotten along with anyone for years because he retired from Test cricket last year. And it looked like, oh, OK, he's retired from Test cricket. We're going to have him for at least another five, six years of being one of the best white ball bowlers in the world. But unfortunately, he'll just be doing that in the franchise cricket. But with Pakistan cricket, never say never. How many times did Afridi retire from international cricket? 
that's a great point and it'll be great to see him back it was it was a strange one you know a bit messy as we all have seen with his career so far and as you rightfully pointed out Zach before we came on air um five years away from the game he's not tired you know he's a 28 year old fast bowler who had five years out he should be you know that's a net net 23 he should be fine um and here he is retiring we'll see what happens there and finally New Zealand are joint top not quite top of the test rankings very confusing a few decimal points takes them away from that spot they beat West Indies 2-0 in their test series and congratulations to Kane Williamson who has had the, the birth of his first child and then went on to to help them beat Pakistan in the first T20 so all good over there in New Zealand they're COVID free and their their cricket's kind of good as well um it's nice to look in on that that kind of world um that'll about do it for the housekeeping this week let's get on to the first test match between India and Australia a fascinating test match that was sadly cut short um I, I was I was gripped by this despite it not being on it being on very late here in the UK but we caught a bit in the morning let's quickly run through it New Zealand um New Zealand India posted 244 in their first innings that looked very competitive um especially when they had Australia 111 for seven in, in their first innings Australia eventually posted 191 and then then came the event, I would like to call it now. India bowled out for 36, lasting just 21.2 overs. Uh, the fifth lowest test score of history. The lowest test score in India's test history. And that led Australia to an easy eight-wicket win. Uh, they they um, got that 93, losing just two wickets in the process. And the, the game was cut short into, what, two and a half days? Which is such a shame. Because it was it was it was looking like a low scoring classic, um, and India took that one step too far and made it too low scoring a classic. Let, let's come on to this batting collapse. Will I want to hear your thoughts on this immediately because it was just gobsmacking to me. Um, again, in the UK here, we're recording from the UK. I woke up at eight eight thirty, put the radio on, see if there was any commentary, and there was nothing. Five Live Extra was just playing their sort of off air loop, and I was like, what's going on here? Thirty six all out. No one in double figures. My anchor scored, top scored with nine. Will, what happened? What's your assessment of all that? Let's try and clear this up a little bit. Well, Dan, my number of, of being sad that this is getting higher with every word that you've Have I just triggered re- that slightly? Yeah, you've, you've reminded me of all the pain. Um, but yeah, it was probably for the best that we managed to sleep through it. Um, but I've, I've, I've gone back and looked at as much of it as I can find. And, and it's a difficult one because it, it seems to be the, the joint story of some very good bowling um, and the pitch having a bit more pace and bounce than it had earlier in the game, combined with pretty much every Indian batsman, with the exception of Kohli, getting out in exactly the same way by not really moving around the crease at all, getting done by a small amount of sea movement and, and just poking to slip. Um, but as much as the, 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 the sort of 36 is a headline calamitously bad figure in, in so many different ways and, and we can get more into what exactly happened there. I think there's two ways of looking at that. Is it is it a blip? Is it a sort of one-off, they happen, batsmen have weird days all in a row? Or is it the symptom of something much deeper wrong in the Indian batting lineup? Um, and on the, on the surface, it looks like it should be the first one. I mean, as, as you rightly say, they were, India were in a position to win the game going into that day. Uh, if they put on even a pass score and bowled anything like they bowled at the Australia first innings, they probably should have won the game. But... If you were to take Kohli out of the first and second innings, as I'm sure we'll get on uh, later on in terms of his absence, it's a really much bleaker picture for India going forward. Um, <clears throat> and so I think, yes, the, the sort of 36 and the nature of the collapse 
was catastrophic in its own way. The real story and the real problem for India for the rest of the series is everything around that. And the loss of Kohli has just been highlighted, as you said, rightly, even more by this. It's under even closer uh, a microscopic analysis because we're losing him for the well, India are losing him. I think we as a cricketing fandom are losing him, unfortunately, <laughs> for, for the next three tests. But it was disastrous. And Zach, I want to hear your opinion on this. You know, let's get straight into it. Was this if you could weight this in favour of Australia bowling amazingly, which they did, or India having a problem to their core with their batting lineup, which would you lean in favour of at the minute? I think I think no matter how amazingly you bowl, I mean that's a really that's a really big difficult question there. But <laughs> I can see the, the big smile on your face as you dish that one out. Uh, I think no matter how amazingly you bowl, you're never expecting to get them all out for 36, are you? Crickviz have a have an interesting stat actually, which is expected wickets. We've we've become used to expected goals in football. Yeah. I'm not exactly yeah. sure how expected wickets works, but they worked out that from that spell of bowling on a normal day that would give that would have resulted in 60 for three of those 20 overs which does show that although they bowled well it was poor batting so i'm going to go on the side of poor batting because that's what the stats say that's a fascinating stat zach i think i'm that's actually lead me to the side of it being terrible batting because the bowling just looked unplayable but perhaps the indians were batting so badly they made it look like that that's I'd love to know how they work that out. That's fascinating. But XG also in football kind of baffles me slightly. So, yeah, and I think I'm, I'm with you on that. And should we start with Prithvi Shaw? Because I think there was an interesting line coming out of this that Ponting basically called his, his two-ball duck in the first innings. And pretty much as he'd finished the sentence saying he doesn't move his feet and he's susceptible to getting bowled, Mitch Stark bowled him with an in-swinger. Interestingly, Ponting was... Uh, Shaw's coach at Delhi Capitals and decided not to help him over the six weeks at the IPL uh, with his foot movement issues. Um, a two ball duck and a, and a low score in the second will. You know, let's not blame this on him for goodness sake, but was that a poor selection at the top? We'll come on to the teams for the Boxing Day test. Was it a poor selection at the top? And do you expect him to, to play much more part of this series? I don't think it was necessarily a poor selection at the time. We know, obviously, Rohit Sharma was ruled out uh, for the first two tests with his injury. Um, so they would have had to bring someone in to partner Mayank. And he has a pretty good test average for India. Um, and has, I mean, he's only played something like five or six tests now, but but batted well uh, for the most part. And he's a very young player, 21 years old, played very well in Indian first class cricket. So So definitely deserves his opportunity for the test side. That being said, it was pretty disastrous for him. Um, and there were the, the, the damning thing is there were times that it could have got worse. Even the balls that, that he got out to, he sort of escaped wickets a couple of balls previous to that, um, especially in the first innings. So, and, and you're absolutely right. He got sort of clean bowled in almost exactly the same way both times with leaving a massive gap between his bat and his pad. Um, and, and I mean, well done, Ricky Ponting, for, for obviously no, noticing that in India and, and letting his bowlers know, clearly. Um it, it, it's one of those decisions. I know we've spoken about this before when it comes to the England side, that getting dropped has this massive kind of drama attached to it because people in the media like to speak about it a lot, that, you know, it feels damning to a player's career, especially at that young an age. But, you know, India have a, have a lot of different batting options in the opening order. It's not the worst thing in the world to get dropped. It doesn't mean you're, you're done as a player by any means. And I think probably the sensible thing for this test is is 
recognizing that the best time to play your way back into form as a young player is not a test away in Australia. Uh, so it would probably do him do him good and the team good to to make a change for the next game. Well said. I think I said over the summer in a very early Cow Corner pod, we should normalise being dropped as a society. Let's normalise this. Let's make it OK. Let's make this a safe space to be dropped. Because uh, for reasons you said, it's probably for the best and in not a negative. In, let's not look at this in a negative way. Can we look positively at India for a second? I've got a few sort of points of this test match in which I thought this could be a, a great series and it still might be. And India look great. End of day one, 233 for six on... You know, you know, great Australian bowling attack, a very slow outfield, which was sort of stymieing the run rate uh, quite significantly. Saha and Ashwin at the crease looking OK. Uh, that 244 all out looks a lot more painful with that in mind. Let's then look, even with that 244 all out, they had Australia 111 for seven. Um, and the tail wagged where India's didn't and they got themselves to 191. But still, at the end of day two, India were nine for one, um, leading by 62 in nine wickets in hand. And what was, you know, a par was going to be, what, 250? That would have been a, a great score to see Australia try and chase down. And then then the collapse came. So what I'm saying is, um, Zach, and I want to see if you had these feelings while the test was sort of playing out, is that India were in strong positions at the end of day one and day two. And they looked like they were going to win this test for most of it. And then that 21.2 overs of carnage happened. So... Can they put themselves in a position like this again throughout the series? And with the loss of Kohli in mind, you know, was this their best chance? And did they did they mark it up? Yeah, I mean, I would say this was their best chance. But like you said, I, I watched the, the the only day I watched in its entirety was and decided to wake up for was the first day, and they looked good. I mean, I, I managed to miss Pretty Sure getting out because he got out that early on, and my <laughs> alarm didn't go off quite fast enough. But <laughs> Pajara and Kohli, they built back, they toiled, and they fought back really well. And Pajara was kind of the thorn in Australia's side last time India toured. And he looked like it was going to be again, but they just kind of didn't. They didn't get away. They were 108. They were 187 for three, but then they've been they've been going so slowly that it was kind of if they'd have got another 50 runs at that point, then it would it would have been a different game. But obviously, 187 for three was where. Um, Rahane ran out Kohli so that changed the game and like you said they were 233 at the end of the day I, all I was I was thinking in my head oh tomorrow I'll wake up they'll be on 300 for nine you know Boomer will have hit a couple of mental sixes and got out and they'll be in a really good position but yeah the, the tail not wagging it, it's it just changes the game doesn't it it's like England consistently we always bring it back to England I know but England are I think statistically the the best bowling side at getting out the top seven but the worst at getting out tail enders. And it's always so frustrating when a tail wags against you. But like you said there, with the 13 runs coming for the last three wickets, that's it's, it's just not really... Obviously, you don't expect them to bat, but you always want a little bit of a contribution, don't you? Like you said, just a couple of crazy sixes from Bumrah. Someone down there, just to put a quick 20 on there, demoralise the opponents as they come out to bat. And and that was the kind of tale of the Australian innings then, is that they did wag at 111 for seven. Um, I don't want to call Tim Payne a, a tail ender, but here I am. And, and that was a great knock from him. Um, and and even when, right, with India, and this is what I found most frustrating, because I want to see India do well this series, is that the run out could have caused carnage. It, it sort of did, but didn't. The tail not wagging could have caused carnage as in you know Australia bounced back and gained the momentum again it didn't because they were 111 for seven 
and then that was the sort of turning point perhaps that 191 felt a lot closer than it should have been and, and then came the collapse i i'm getting frustrated now will as an india fan did you feel this too the positions that india got themselves in were fantastic and, and the fact they couldn't capitalize it is both a good and a bad thing looking forward yeah i think that's a good point and and you've said the important thing which is that despite everything else going on they got themselves in good positions but as i alluded to at the start there there's kind of is this a blip that the um the 36 was just its own thing and apart from that it was all fine and that's sort of the, the argument that i think you guys are more so on board with but i went back after after the end of the game because we had a lot of free time with no cricket on <laughs> um and looked at the first two days um and actually although they got themselves in good positions in the end there were lots of signs there that there were problems the opening partnership i've already alluded to it, it even in the first innings it could have been uh naught for two Shaw went second ball pajara immediately next ball edged off stark with exactly the same kind of ball that he got out to in the second innings Payne just missed taking that catch my then also edged one and almost went out for naught and then colin rahane came in well colin pajara immediately uh, first of all and then colin rahane put together partnerships that steadied that innings and made it look a mo- lot more consistent than it actually was. But once Co- Coley went, and, and someone's made this stat, which I love, if you compile the, the compile the two innings together, uh, since Coley went in the first innings to the end of the second innings, India managed to score 92 for 17. And that includes, <laughs> which, wow. is, which is like mind-bogglingly bad. That's insane. <laughs> <laughs> and that obviously includes only about 60 for five since Coley went in the first inning something like that 60 for, for six as well as no score above 50 from any batsman other than Coley which means you've had two lower lower order collapses across the two innings which means two poor performances from Rahane, Bihari, Saha, Ashwin and when you add that lower and middle order failing to an opening pair which couldn't put on an opening partnership of more than seven across either innings and the fact that three of their four best fast bowlers in Shami, Ishant Sharma and Kumar are all now out injured. Uh, it starts to look not so great for India. Not so great is a very light term. I am shaken by that stat. Of, what was it again? 92 for 92, 17. 92 for 17. That's fantastic. That's a great stat. So from that, you know, quite damning review there, Will, are you saying this isn't a one off and this is going to be an ongoing thing for the rest of the series, do you think? Yeah, I think it, it it goes a lot deeper than that. And people rightly pointed out in the in in the wake of the game that it shouldn't actually be that surprising because if you take out the previous win in Australia that India managed while Warner and Smith were out suspended, they've lost their last games away in South Africa, England, New Zealand. So they've had some very poor test away series. It's clearly an underlying problem. Um, and when you add to that the injuries and the absence of Kohli, uh, it, it it looks pretty bleak. Wow, I don't know how quite to recover from that. I feel I feel bad for you and for India. Should we just say the, 92 for 17 again? That's it. Can that be the episode title, please? That's unbelievable. Let's selection, Zach. I mean, Saha was the weirdest one for me with um, an in, an informed Rishabh Pant after the, the tour games, uh, an option, a very good option at that, a counter-attacking option. Um, Shaw at the top of the order and, and now we lose Cody for the rest of the series where do you see India going from here in this I know I think I'm leaning toward Will now this kind of systemic issue with their batting they've got you know Rahul Pant waiting in the in the on the sidelines who do you think comes in 
Or out of that eleven, who do you think can stand up and, and do the job Coley's clearly been doing? Who can do the job Coley's been doing? I don't think anyone can do the job Coley's been doing, but who can give it a good go? <laughs> um I think Shubman Gill with his first class average of I think about seventy is is definitely my man, my uh my fellow night rider. Um will always be top of my list. But I think that it's interesting you make the point about Saha with the I think it was shown in the first innings. And he was he came in and there was and they had a they had the second new ball and it was moving around a bit. And what India really needed rather than just getting to the close, they could have done with a bit of the pant magic, a bit of a bit of a counter attack, get Australia off their lengths with the new hard ball because the pitch wasn't the outfield was very slow, so it meant and it was really hard to drive throughout the whole of the first innings. But a little bit of a counter attack, an unconventional one of course, from our friend Rishab would have been just what they needed to get themselves that extra 50 runs. And obviously that extra 50 runs wouldn't have changed the game at all because of what happened in the second innings. But maybe the second innings wouldn't have happened if they'd been in an even more commanding position after the first one. What did you think to Saha's selection, Will? I'm, I'm interested to know. Again, it felt like the safe option for me. I remember when we were reviewing the IPL and he got brought back in for the Sunrisers and I think you told me he was 36 or something. I was like, hold on, no, no. But yes, he is. And he's played quite a lot for India with quite large gaps in between his um, international caps. It felt like a very safe option. And he was just, there was a lot wrong with India, but he just looked a bit, it was a bit sad seeing him there at six or seven, wherever it was, just with a tail that wouldn't support him. What, what did you think of his selection? Yeah, I think safe option is is, is the right term there. I was astonished that I don't have to make the case for Rishan Pant on this podcast. I was, I was coming in this evening expecting to, to have to persuade you on that point. Um, yeah, it was it, it was the safe option and, and, and not necessarily the wrong one, because, again, you can't blame Saha personally for, for, for a 36 all out. Um, but, I can but try. It's, it's clear without without Kohli in the team that you just need to get more runs from somewhere. So I would definitely expect to see Pant come in there. Should we look at the Indian bowlers for a little bit? They they did all right in the end. Um, we can ignore that 93 for two because there was no shammy and I think everyone was still a little bit shell-shocked. But 191 all out um, in Australian conditions with, you know, a score on the board that was helping them a little bit. You know, it wasn't a massive score, but it wasn't a tiny score. Uh, Yadav, three for 40. And Ravi Chandan Ashwin, four for 55. I thought looked fantastic. Um, rejuvenated as an international test bowler. And Bumrah as the well, the third fiddle, which you often you don't often say. Uh, Will you impressed by uh, Umesh Yadav, three for forty? Didn't expect to see this. Yeah, well, he was he was a weird uh, case of a cow corner prediction coming right because for, for some reason we uh, we called his selection and 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 pleased to see him him deliver on a purely selfish basis. Um, but you're right, it was it was really nice to see Indian bowlers take the pressure off Bumrah and Shami. Um, and, and, and step up apart from that. Ashwin's spoken a lot in, in recent months about the changes to his technique that he's tried to do to play better away from India. Um, and that obviously bore fruit with, with wickets for him. So good signs there going forward. Obviously, as you said, the loss of Shami is, is massive uh, and they'll probably have to give at least one bowler, if not two, a debut in the rest of the series. Uh, most likely looking like uh, Siraj, but Natarajan could come into the, into the test side as well. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that attack can, can sort of continue without Shambi and whether Yadav and Ashwin can, can pick up where they left off. Yeah, I, I I actually, I was really impressed with Shami. I know obviously he didn't bowl in the second innings and he didn't even get a wicket in the first innings. But his lines and his length, he, he, he deserved a wicket. He was so disciplined and it's exactly what we always talk about as being what makes the Australian bowlers so good in Australian conditions. 
that then they managed to use it outside of Australia and they managed to use it in limited overs as well because his lines and slings were so good and he was so close to the edge of the bat so many times and there were so there were plenty of plays and misses and he was very unlucky and I, he's going to be a massive miss because I mean obviously Boom was class and Ashwin looked really good but and then, then Yadav, you know, he did his bit. But the rest, I mean, is Natarajan going to try and bowl Yorkers in Test cricket? I would love to see it, but I don't know if he will. I love the idea of an over of Yorkers, like the 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 fifth over of a first Test innings, just to see. No one's tried it. Go on, why not? So I think we're all in agreement that Siraj will probably come in to replace Shami. I'm getting nods, nods and frowns across the board. Um, it, that's fairly breaking news that the Shami's going to be out. So India going to have to reshuffle there. Otherwise, we'll come on to selection at the end of the pod, but otherwise I'm sure we'll see a very similar test attack. And that was definitely uh, a positive for India. And we can ignore that second innings because I'm not sure what was going through their heads, but it probably wasn't good things. So let's come on to the winning side, Australia. 30 World Test Championship points for them. Let's not forget that, everyone. There's a World Test Championship going on, a valuable 30 points in the table as well. But, you know, again, the bowling takes the headlines for bowling a team out for, for 36 Josh Hazelwood, five for eight in the second innings. Uh, Pat Cummins supporting him with four for 21. And then Stark showing in the first innings with four for 53. Cummins, three for 48. I mean, Josh Hazelwood especially, Zach, looked unplayable in the second innings. Getting the ball to swing in and nip away. They found that perfect length that was, it wasn't dragging the batsman too far forward, but they were sort of nibbling forward at it. And they found that, so quickly and so consistently that it just blew this India attack away. And we, you know, that six, 60 for three X wicket stat is an interesting one. And we, I think we all agree that the batsman made them look a bit better than it was, but how good was Josh Hazelwood, Zach? And how is it? Well, is this the best test bowling lineup in the world right now? It has to be right. Well, I saw this thing that was saying, like, if you judge the best test bowling lineups of all time by their worst by their worst part. And you would say Mitchell Stark is the weakest member of this side, but obviously Mitchell Stark is a fantastic bowler. Would you pick him over who you would, I mean, arguably, I mean, the best Australian attack we've probably ever seen would have been the around the 2000, early 2000s. And you'd say Gillespie was probably the weakest member of that attack when they were all fit. Would you pick Stark over Gillespie? Well, does Stark have a double hundred in him? Because Jason Gillespie does. And for that, I shall pick uh, the ex-Sussex coach. Uh, on the bowling front, no, I agree. I think that's a great point that Gillespie pro- probably was the weakest in that. But Stark looked amazing this te- uh, this test. I, t- I don't know, though, because I don't think Stark's looked great across his whole career. I think sometimes in games he can look a little bit a little bit ragged and, you know, a bit like Mitchell Johnson. Sometimes he doesn't find the square and offers up some nice half volley so I'm, I'm not sure but definitely this test right he was he was very impressive I mean would you Zach who, who would you have Stark or Gillespie probably Stark but yeah I, one of the I can't remember who it was I think it might have been Ricky Ponting said that with Stark if you, you know how he's going to bowl in a test match from like the first couple deliveries and he said this obviously in the first innings where he got pretty sure second ball and he looked he looked unplayable that first half an hour I thought it was going to be an Indian batting collapse in the first innings because they were just finding the. They found the perfect length immediately, getting a little bit of swing with obviously the pink ball, which everyone's scared of, and just brilliant, aren't they? And I'm I'm here talking about the weakest member of this attack, Hazelwood, unbelievable. Cummins really good. Nathan Lyon was getting really good 
a good bit of turn and bounce in the first innings. And then obviously, I don't even think he bowled over in the second innings because they just didn't need him. The fact they didn't need Lyons worrying, isn't it? Because he is such a, he's a world-class off spinner and I'm sure he'll come into his own later in the series. And yeah, they're just lethal. And there's just no respite, is there, for any team in the world from this attack? And I think Stark was helped by, he probably saw Prithvi Shaw's front foot and went, right, here we go. Here comes an in-swinging Yorker. And maybe that got him on a bit of a roll. But I'm I'm really fascinated. You know, Cummins, Hazelwood, Lyon, we know they're awesome. I'm interested to see how Stark, if he can maintain a good series here and where that might kick his test career onto. Um, Will, are you worried? How worried are you? Again, let's just talk about the bowling perspective. We've done the batting, but... You know, it's frightening watching these guys steam in, isn't it? And five for eight are outrageous figures. They are. I mean, Hazelwood just bowled so ridiculously well on, on you know, exactly the same sort of line and length, just perfect. Sometimes swinging in, sometimes seaming in, sometimes seaming out. I mean, it, the Indian boss had no idea what to do with it. And it's it's a real worry from an Indian perspective because whoever comes into that batting lineup will have not played for a long time and all be making their debut it's not an ideal environment facing facing those bowlers for either of those things. Um, and as you guys said, the most incredible thing about it is it, it, even if one of them has a slightly off day or two of them have a slightly off day, this, the, the third will just pick it up. And Stark was so incredible in the first innings and, and could have taken two, three wickets in his first couple of overs alone. And then to have Cummins and Hazelwood pick that up straight away and, and do exactly the same thing in the seconds is just a, definitely a hallmark of, of the best bowling attack in the world. A lot. Well, not a lot of narrative coming out of this test match had to do with the pink ball and the day-night test, interestingly. Unfortunately, day three didn't make it to the night by the time it was all over. But, you know, are we all used to this now and we're not using the pink ball or the day-night thing as an excuse and it's just another part of the game that we're enjoying? Or, you know, do either of you think that the day-night thing had a, had a, had an effect on India who don't play it that often? I guess no teams really do, but I think in Australia this was their first time. I'd say that I think it maybe had a bit more of it. Maybe it did have a bit more of an effect on India, because if you look on that first day, the evening session, it didn't seem like the ball was doing much. And it was the old ball because uh, apparently the ball stays harder, the pink ball. But then it doesn't it doesn't actually from the stats, it doesn't actually swing that much more. It just swings more for the first 10. And then actually after the first 10 swings less than the red ball. So it's just those first few overs. And then after that, it's, but then it's the. The evening session with the lights kicking in, and it, obviously that's going to be harder for batsmen. So I think it's, yeah, less the pink ball, but the day-night element potentially. But then we had the day session was the one that, that bowled India out really quickly. And the night session before that, they they lost one wicket and didn't look great. But Bumrah, you know, held up an end. Much for you on that, Will. I mean, day-night tests are now going to be the norm you know was that just did that have, did that have anything to do with it or was it just some terrible batting as we've gone well into already yeah i don't know it's hard to tell it obviously didn't become part of the narrative because of a 36 not 36 all out in the morning meant that just took all the attention away which is probably a good thing um but yeah i i agree with zach i think it's, it's sort of debatable impact yeah there was less the indians will be less used to it but hard to tell at this point whether it had that much of an impact I love a day-night test, largely for selfish reasons. That it is, it's a wonderful time for us in England to watch cricket because it it just comes on in the morning and you can coast to 11:30 uh, watching some test cricket. So I, I'd be all up for some more of that. There's something beautiful about morning cricket in the UK, isn't it? I'm talking seven, eight o'clock cricket, and we'll get it 
and Zach pointed out for those who are Sky Sports subscribers in the UK, we're not sponsored by them or anything, but Sri Lanka are playing in South Africa coming up and that'll be South Africa times for cricket are just sensational, especially around Christmas. And you can watch out for that Sri Lanka team who uh, England will be touring. Um, so yeah, I'm all for day night tests. I think, I think they're awesome. There was a lot of controversy around them and they've been fantastic. So more, more day nights, please. Let's look forward, shall we? Let's look forward to the Boxing Day Test match. There's still three games to go. There's still a series on the line here. Let's not be too negative. Oh, staying on negativity, though, all of our predictions are already wrong. Yes, we all said India will be 1-0 up by this stage, and here they are 1-0 down with Cody flying home. Let's start with India's selection because that's got to be the most interesting one. Cody leaves. We've lost him. Uh, who comes in? Uh, does Shaw get dropped does Saha get dropped who comes in for Shami so many questions Will answer them for me all now (laughs) well if we're trying to rescue some sort of positivity from this car crash um, I think you go for the the classic source of cheering everyone up a bit which is play the kids Um, so (laughs) we we already know Kohli and and Shami are both out so you need to bring a batsman and a bowler in those seem pretty straightforward that we think it'll be Shubman Gill and Siraj coming in as like for likes. It could be Kale Rahul and then a, attempts to let him open uh, again, although he, he the India tried to make him the first choice test opener a few years ago and it didn't go particularly well. So I suspect he's been permanently dropped for that role and they'll opt for Shubman Gill. Then I think your, your more complex options are what do you do with Prithvi Shaw? What do you do with... Uh, Saha and I think in both of those cases just because it's a bit of fun and injects some positivity into the mood I'd say both Shaw and Saha out Gill and Pant in um, and then probably bring Natarajan into the squad and maybe he can he can come in for the third or fourth test wait 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 but you're you're in that case are you not bringing are you not bringing Gill in twice is Gill not coming in for Coley and for Shaw sorry he's, that, batting yeah, at so, two, he's batting at two and four Zach okay I'd love they that need him. No, I mean, I sorry, I mean to say Shaw uh, drops and you end up Gill opening and then Kale Rahul replaces Coley's position. I think that's what I'd go for. That's what I like the look of the most. What do you reckon, Zach? I mean, I think I agree with Will entirely there. And he answered all my questions perfectly. Yeah, I mean, I'd love them to do what Will wants to do. Unfortunately, I don't think it is what they'll do because... Unfortunately, I think they'll stay safe with Saha when they're bringing in Gill and already and bringing in another less experienced bowler in Siraj or maybe Saini. But yeah, maybe, maybe Pant and hopefully we'll see Pant. It would be too chaotic, wouldn't it, to go uh, Pant, Gill, Rahul. That would be a bit too much at once. And they're already getting into two enforced changes. So I think four changes might be throwing the baby out with the bathwater, but... Maybe the baby deserves to go after 36 all out. I, I don't know. Uh, we'll find out, though. And I, I definitely want to see Pant. If I could pick anybody out of that, I want Pant playing. I want him, you know, a bit of bit of chirping with Tim Payne and and all of that. So let's hope so. And let, let's look at Australia because they're going to be largely unchanged, probably, aren't they? Um, Pukowski's definitely out. And Warner is a is a very high doubt for for the test with a, a, a strain in some part of his body somewhere and so that will leave us with Joe Burns and, and Matthew Wade opening still and this just doesn't feel right for an Australian team it doesn't look right it doesn't sound right Joe Burns 51 not out in the second innings hit a six off his last ball to get the tar- uh, get to 50 has just about done enough. I, th- I feel like he would have been dropped, though, if these guys were available. I don't know if you think the same, Zach, but he's probably going to get another shot with these injuries. 
Yeah, I think he's going to get another go. I mean, even if Warner, I think he's going to, especially if Warner's out, because I don't see why they would change anything because Warner and Pukowski both gone. Say Warner comes back. I think it'd be a real shame to see Matthew Wade dropped. I mean, I know, I know he didn't, he didn't get a score, but he he didn't do much wrong. And he isn't, he isn't a test opener. He hasn't opened that many times and they put him up the order just because I feel like it was a case of, he said he'll do it. And he seems to kind of be the type of player that will, that kind of enjoys the challenge and wanted to kind of would like to show, you know, that he can open or can bat lower down. And I, I don't know. Yeah. But I think, I think, yeah, I think Burns is going to get another go just because, because of, well, partly because of that innings, but yeah, I think maybe they're not going to drop green. He just hadn't, he just, he maybe, I mean, we haven't, we haven't mentioned him at all, but he bowled a bit. He bowled fast, which is scary. Yeah. In fact, he could, he could bowl, he was bowling as fast as Hazelwood and Cummins and could, is a batsman is a batsman more than a bowler <laughs> so that, that's a bit that's a bit scary he's a that's that's not going to be fun next winter but you know we'll, we'll get there <laughs> uh should we chat about steve smith briefly i'm not not saying for a second he'll get dropped by the way but um one off 29 in the first innings no score well one off one in the second innings because the game was over he looked really awkward at the crease for his his one off twenty nine, he's not had a score for a long time. Will do you think India have you know can they really cement this down and keep him quiet again? Not saying he's going to get dropped. That's an outrageous claim, but he looks a little bit out of nick. Didn't have a great IPL, and if you can keep him quiet and Labashane, if you can try and keep him quiet, you might have a chance in these remaining three tests. Yeah, it's interesting that we've we've spoken a lot about the underlying problems with India. Uh, despite what looks like a blip, but but Australia will probably just as just as well think there are underlying issues there, and they've sort of got away with one with how badly India batted in the second innings. Because um, as you said, not a huge score in the first innings. They were really rescued by Tim Payne putting in probably the best batting performance I've seen him do, batting with the tail. So it could have been a lot worse than it was. And on most occasions, if you if you reduce Steve Smith to making one run in a Test match, <laughs> you'd have thought India would be quite happy with that. Um, so yeah, we'll have to see. He had a pretty good white ball series, didn't he, with this time around? A couple of good ODI performances. Um, so it's it's a case of wait and see with him, and I'm sure he'll find his form with with whatever's weird going on there. So uh, since his Ashes retaining 211, which was 15 months ago, he's now gone 12 innings and seven tests without making a century, which for most batsmen is fine, but for him that's a real lean period. So I'm sure he'll get his head down and really look somewhat not selfishly, but you know, if Australia in a good position to get himself a ton, at least. Um, that's his longest drought since his first Test 100 in 2013, though. So that is, again, we're talking about Steve Smith here. So, uh, you know, his worst run of form for seven years, that's basically saying, which is very interesting. Um, his sort of little brother, Marnus Labashain, he had a fun uh, knock, 47 off 119. Oh, Zach, wasn't he enjoying himself? The leaves were out. He was shouting no run. In however which way he wanted, I'd love to hear an impression if you'd like to give us one. Um, I love watching him bat. I, we said this off air. He, isn't he just so much fun to watch in in the purest Test match kind of way? Yeah, I mean he's he's my favourite Australian, and you know I don't really like Australians that much when it comes to cricket. So Labuschagne's certainly my favourite Australian. The the no runs, the lightsaber leaves. I've just done a little you know visual thing for you guys there. I know this is an audio kind of thing though, but yeah, uh, I think he's great. But he was he, he I mean he got 47. He was very lucky to get to 47. I think he was dropped twice, maybe three times 
certainly uh, three times. But one was by Shaw, which I mean we've spoken about pretty Shaw, and it was it was a really bad drop, wasn't it? I don't know what's <laughs> happened to to Indian like players. They all seem to be decent fielders when they were playing in the IPL. All of these players, but then they've come to Australia and. Because in the one-day series, they they kept dropping catches, and they could have had Australia all out for 111 in the first innings, but it gave us a bit more Manus time. And I love that he came in in the second innings and decided these runs, I'm just going to get them done. I'm just going to finish this game, and couldn't manage it. He tried to charge down the pitch and and smack Ashwin over his head off his first ball. <laughs> Didn't go very well, and then did get caught out, but. He's a lot of fun, isn't he? And I really want to see him play more in one-day cricket and T20s so he can join that list. The thing is with T20s, there's no point for him to yell no run, is there? Unless he's opening, we'll maybe let him leave the first two. But, you know, there's there's no room for his main asset there. Uh, let's come on to Indian fielding quickly, actually, because it, it was a real issue in that first innings. And again, they had him 111 for seven. They still bowled them out for 191. But they shelled their, their uh, second top scorer three times on very low scores. Uh, Joe Burns was even dropped, I'd argue, off the boundary to win the test. Will, what do you reckon is going on there? Because I think Zach rightly pointed out that the ODI series was hardly filled with good fielding either. And, you know, I don't, I don't see India as one of the greatest fielding sides in the world, but they're not this bad by any means. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's a historic problem, Indian fielding going back many years. Um, and we, we thought that Virat Kohli, one of his main asks when he became captain was was to sort out the fielding. And for the most part, that's happened. Um, so may, maybe they could see the captain on his way out of Australia and thought they'll they'll start the loose fielding early. Um, they're also, although you're right that there was some loose fielding in the ODIs, the test team is missing the two best fielders from the ODI team in the shape of Jadeja and Hardik Pandya, who so far have managed to get through this podcast without a mention. So... Um, we'll get both of those two in there. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, again, it's difficult on, on the back of one game to know whether that's just a, a blip or, or or something weirder about about how they're approaching their fielding plans or the training they're giving to it or or what have you. But definitely not a good sign. Oh, you've mentioned Pandya now. I'm, I'm just so angry he's not in the test squad or the test team because how much fun would that be, man? How would, how good would he look slotted in at like I don't know six? So good at this batting lineup. And as we said last time, Coley's basically said, yeah, you're back in as soon as you feel like it and decide that you can bowl. Um, so I'm, I'm still not quite sure what's going on with Hardik's sort of ghost injury that stopped him bowling, although he can bat perfectly fine. Um, but mm. I mean, I, I, I'm still heartbroken by the fact that we're going to go the rest of this year without seeing Hardik Pandya play cricket. So I'd, I'd love a, a, a random recall for him. Have you seen the pictures of him being a good father, though? Don't they look cute? Very good father. He's not partying. He's 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 down to his word. He's changing those nappies. He's not out partying. He's he's a good father. Good for him. And Will, would you take a disastrous second test that would, you know, let's say they get bowled for 35 this time, and that would mean less wholesale changes and Pandya comes in? Would you would you sacrifice that to see Pandya in 2021? 100. percent Excellent. 100. percent I agree. I, I wholeheartedly agree. Imagine imagine a batting order that. Um, Rishabh Pant follows Hardik Pandya like six, seven or one and two. With, with Jadeja. You know, stuff it. Yeah, there we go. The BCCI need to start listening to Cal Corner ASAP because these are some, you know, real lively changes. Uh, before we go, lads, I think we are allowed, well, I'm making it allowed, that we can just reassess our predictions slightly. There's still three tests left. Let's just, let's just pretend this is a little 
three test series, the post Coley series, the post collapse series. Where do you see this going now? And let's, you know, give me a score and why for the next three tests. I'm going to go 2-1 Australia. I, I can't see it being a white one. Well, I can see it being a white one, but I don't want it to be. So India are going to win one down there somewhere, probably the fourth when these wholesale changes come in that we've just mentioned. I I think from now on it's going to be three 0 Australia. I'm sorry to say, Ooh. but I think Australia are going to. I mean, I don't want to see it. I want to see India win three one, comeback storming, and then and Kohli will never play another test, and that would be, you know, that would be magical. But you know, we unfortunately we don't live in that world, and we live in a world where Australia are very good. The ball's going to be seeming around at the MCG on Boxing Day, and uh, India are going to bat first and they're not going to do very well and it's going to you know, set them up for the rest of the series. I'd really love to see a, a Gill and Pant century and <laughs> win, winning a test match down there for India would, would be lovely on the back of the kids. But yeah, I mean, I think I think I predicted after Kohli went, Australia would win two and one would somehow peter out to a draw. Uh, so I think I'll, I think just, just for the sake of, of consistency and, and the fact that I think it probably will be a whitewash, although I hope it isn't, I'll stick with that prediction and say in uh, Australia, two wins from here on out. Uh, overall, winning the series three to nothing. It'll be fascinating to see a draw somehow happen in one of these tests. I can't I can't see it happening, but I appreciate the consistency, Will. And you do still hold the best prediction of Cal Corner in, in your Sunrisers shout. So stick with it. I like that consistency. And and Zach, I'm disappointed in you. I thought you had more hope than that, but you sound so resigned to an Australia whitewash that oh, I don't know. I just can't see forward. Listen, that'll about wrap up uh, this podcast. Um, it'll be the last time we speak to you all before Christmas. So have a very merry Christmas, everybody uh, around the world listening. Thank you so much. It might be, you know, providing the Boxing Day test doesn't fall into a calamity as the first does. Happy New Year as well, and hopefully we'll switch in the New Year and, and not before the end of the Boxing Day match. Uh, and thank you so much for listening to Cow Corner. We'll be back in the new year to review the second test between India and Australia. We'll have previews of the England tour of Sri Lanka, reviews of that tour and previews of England touring India, which is so exciting as well. Uh, all coming up in the new year. Thank you so much for listening to us and we'll speak to you soon. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, 
offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.